everybody. The Suns are back, and we are extremely, extremely fired up about this week's episode. But I have to say, Suns of consistency, we always preach consistency, but we decided, hey, if there's something better out there, if there's something out there that we may be missing the boat on, we're always down to explore, we're always down to experiment. Well, there's this handy-dandy little app here called Zoom, 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 Zoom. So what we did was we decided to Zoom on over from Skype to Zoom because Professor Wordelik, I mean, she's got more degrees than anybody, and she was like, hey, look, I don't have Skype, I have Zoom. And we said, all right. I guess the sun's Zoom now. And you may be able to realize crystal clear audio is coming through your headphones right now. So welcome to the Zoom experience. We are excited to be here. We are honored to be here. We're also honored and excited to let you know that we had a fantastic interview with, I just gave it away, the director of marketing at Virginia Tech, Professor Wordelik. Pat and I were both students under Professor Wordelik. She is fantastic. It was an extensive sit-down. We covered a multitude, another SAT word so far in the pre-roll, of different topics. It was fantastic. We talked about the new NCAA jurisdiction about student-athletes being able to profit off of their image and likeness. We spoke about, about PRISM at Virginia Tech, which is a fantastic program. We discussed how different businesses are adjusting to the COVID-19 crisis. Her favorite students that have come through uh, that used to be football players. Um, mind you, this is an extensive sit-down, but there's no fat here. It is fantastic content from beginning to end. We hope you enjoy every second of it as we did. Patrick, we have a jam-packed schedule and some awesome announcements coming up here. Talk to me about what's going on. Hey, uh, hey, students, just because COVID-19 has flipped the world upside down does not mean that we can forget that Mother's Day is on Sunday. Sons of mothers, mothers of Saturday. To honor Mother's Day, we are doing a little promo code action. Sons of promotions. Use promo code MOMSOFSAT on sonsofsaturday.com, and we will throw 20% off all merchandise on the Sons of Saturday store. That is right. Moms of Sat. M-O-M-S-O-F-S-A-T. S-A-T. Moms of Sat. Check that out. Uh, anything from a sweatshirt, the hoodies are great, uh, to a trucker hat. For mom, you know, maybe mom wants a trucker hat coffee mug, iPhone case, go check it out. Uh, In addition to that, with COVID-19 merchandise, it is shipping a little slower than usual. Uh, Supply chain, as we know, are uh, a little stopped up. But don't worry, if you ordered something over the last week or two, it is on its way. And uh, just got to be patient, sons of patience. A couple other quick hitters. Follow us on social media if you aren't following on Instagram at Sons of Sat, Twitter at Sons of Sat, Facebook, Sons of Saturday, really aiming for that Facebook clout, trying to get there. Facebook, you know, it's 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 not a lost art. Everyone uses Facebook, but we're just trying to, you know, build a brand on Facebook. What a new initiative that we are looking to do. Actually taking a page out of Josh Parcell's book here. And Ryan Hopkins, big shout out to Ryan Hopkins. He suggested this to me. He said, you guys should kind of do some series to review some underappreciated wins in Virginia Tech history. And I think, wow, what a great concept. Because we, we love talking about the big wins all the time. But like, you go back in the yearbook, you ever talk about that 2014 win at Duke? 
Brendan Motley led us to beat Duke on the road against a ranked Duke team. No one ever talks about that game. What we want you to do is go leave a review, leave a five-star review if you think we're worthy of five stars, and tell us a game in Virginia Tech history. It can be football, it can be basketball, that you think is a little forgotten or underappreciated, and then we'll compile all those games together and uh, kind of give a nice little rundown in a segment on a future episode. So thank you, Ryan. We're excited to do that. Other than that, have some great interviews coming up uh, aside from this one with Professor Werlich. We have Matei Sis from VT Scoop 24-7 Sports coming on later this week for a little bit of recruiting updates. Love that. And then we also have a three-part Castle Guard series coming up. So we'll be pressing play for part one on Sunday, Mother's Day, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. Other than that, Bill, you got any plans next week? Pat, thanks for asking. Got some great plans this week. We will be headed down home to Blacksburg, Virginia, for a week of software slinging and sons strategizing and links balls down the fairway. In and in and in and in and we're so excited about it. Uh, playing a little bit of golf with uh, our man Paul Torg and Jay Laser. Really excited about that. Uh, Sons of balls down the fairway. We got some awesome contentry that will be coming your way. Um, So stay tuned for that. And you know what? If you're in Blacksburg, let us know. Hit us up. We're down for some air fivery from six feet away. Maybe uh, chop it up a little bit. Uh, Sons of social distancing. We are still exercising that. Please. We are trying to play football in the fall. Don't screw that up for us, please. Um, But other than that, Our interview with Professor Werdelich. Here we go. Great stuff coming up later in the week. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, sons, daughters of Saturday. It is Sunday, May 3rd. It is a beautiful day, and we are very, very, very excited. Uh, Billy and I have a very special guest with us this afternoon, Professor Donna Werdelich. How are you, Professor Werdelich? Good to see you. I am doing wonderful, and thank the Lord, the sun is out. It is warm. It actually feels like May, and two greatest gifts. My eyes opened up today, so we are good to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. So we are uh, we're doing the Zoom. We've been doing Skype over the past, uh, I guess, six months on Sons of Saturday, but today we're, we're flipping a switch, and we're saying, all right, it's time to do some Zoom. Professor Wardelik has the pylons uh, as her virtual background. And uh, Bill and I are not as creative. We have nothing going on behind us. <laughs> we'll kick it off here with a hokey haiku presented by the Main Street Pharmacy. Main Street Pharmacy is a phenomenal establishment on Main Street in Blacksburg. Uh, Jeremy Counts, Dr. Jeremy Counts, will uh, service any need you have, especially during this coronavirus COVID pandemic. They have an extremely friendly staff and they are stocked. With toilet paper, they are stocked with hand sanitizer. So head on down and go see Dr. Jeremy because he will greet you with a smile. I submitted this Hokey Haiku, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Sons of Brandery, Hokies take over the world. Marketing genius. Woo! Great job, Pat. Here we go. I'm 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 fired up. I'm fired up. We were both former students, and here is a little bit of an introduction. 
Professor Donna is an innovative, achievement-oriented senior manager with a diverse experience, inclusive of integration of social media marketing, thrives at challenges, and applies critical insights determined from market research, which results in the ability to identify unique marketing opportunities, bottom-line profit, and market-share-minded individual who understands the importance of marketing, excellent customer satisfaction, engaging with core audiences to tap into influencers and create and own global market position. Sons of excellent vocabulary. And I got through it in one take. Pat, talk to me a little bit about our background. All right, so we'll kick it off with the education. Bachelor of Science in Marketing from Fairleigh Dickinson University in Rutherford, Woo. where? New, New Jersey. And Bill, don't we have ties to FDU? My mother got her paralegal or whatever that's called from Fairleigh Dickinson. So shout out Fairleigh. <laughs> and, and my father has his master's degree from FDU. So sons of FDU, sons of North <laughs> Jersey. Love that. <laughs> um, Institut- Institutional Review Board certification from Virginia Tech in 2009. Graduate Social Media Certification from Southern New Hampshire University in 2013. And MS of Marketing from Southern New Hampshire in 2013. Now, we'll kick it over to the career because Professor Wordelich has quite an extensive background in, in marketing and sales. Had some time uh, at Nestle as an account manager Uh, in the 90s, as well as Pace, uh, WPP, as an account supervisor. Saw something interesting here that we can get into, but I know you were involved with disease management programs, so we can kind of funnel into that with uh, COVID discussion later on. Also spent some time with Ogilvy, and uh, is a founder and president of Speak Advertising, Prism, and now has been at Virginia Tech uh, for an extensive period of time, over a decade, is that correct? Yeah, I started in 08 as an adjunct, and then I officially went full-time, I guess, in 2011, and then 2013 is when I finished up all my education, and then I got the official role and all that sort of stuff. Got it. So you got kicked off with Nestle, and we all know Nestle, handing out candy in class. Um, my favorite with- part. Yeah, I I interviewed with Nestle uh, actually before I graduated. But um, tell us kind of like how how you wanted to um, progress your career in like a sales and marketing environment. Was there, did you always want to be part of a a branding atmosphere? Yeah, so, you know, I think the spark hit and it's funny because I was talking about this a couple of months ago with a professor named Professor Randy in at Fairleigh Dickinson. And it was a I was a marketing major and it was um, an oral and written class. And this, this guy was just phenomenal. I mean, he just awoke, you know, awoken senses. And it was the spark of like, wait, what is this marketing? People get paid for this. I could do this as a, you know, and I think it kind of really, really, cause backing up a little, when I started college, I was political science, going to be a lawyer, all that sort of stuff. And then this, this light switch went off. And then I just was, I would work in the PR department within Fairleigh Dickinson, so I worked with ABC TV, really, really got, you know, very interested. And then when I graduated, you know, the marketplace wasn't that phenomenal. So what I had done during college was I worked at Lens Crafters, which I worked on and I built up my sales, my overall product and positioning, merchandising, relationship building. And um, I did that for a little bit. And then two opportunities came up, one from Nestle, one from Kellogg's, 
went for both of them, got both opportunities, um, first round, second round, then it was the third round. And I was like, I have to let one of them go. It just felt, you know, so I went the Nestle route. So who knows what would have happened to me if I went the Kellogg's route? Cause you know, you always look at that. So Nestle has just been, um, it was a great, great springboard for a camp, for a career because it was the largest food company in the world. We were learning so much, but I was also on the ground running 300 accounts up and down Northern New Jersey and building relationships. And, you know, and I was the youngest person there too. So supermarkets and, you know, that during that time and still are, you know, a lot of kind of just, you know, an older kind of segment of the, of the marketplace that work there. So it was, um, it was that spark and working there and seeing the biggest brands. And then I started looking behind the scenes at labels and, you know, they, they said, okay, we just need you to do this, but I'd start pulling competitor information and sending it in every week. Like who's doing this, who's doing that. And, you know, this isn't working in the field communications. Can we get something else? So, you know, it just was a lot of that, that eventually sparked me to go over to my first agency, which I worked on packaging and all sorts of stuff. So I think that strategic, but also that creative element has always been inside of me. And the one thing I've always promised myself was to love what I do. And when I don't, then it's time to pivot and do something else. So 26 years in marketing and I absolutely love it. And there's been, you know, when I look at my career, I'm an Italian from New York as a pizza pie. So every single slice is like a different, you know, different experiences I've had. So the sales experience, you know, or whether it was pharma or consumer packaged goods or wherever it was and, you know, different areas, but they've all been very rewarding to me. So I think that's been a tie in as well. So the last, one of the last things we talked about there was PRISM, which stands for Pamplin Reinventing Social Media. And you're the founding mother of PRISM. And PRISM has been able to enable students in Virginia Tech and in Pamplin, you know, on a extremely wide plane. Can you kind of expand on what PRISM is and, you know, what sparked the creation of PRISM and how far it has come? Yeah, yeah. So the ideation started actually in 2010. And Dean Sorensen at the time came and said, we have a problem with our website. And so we came to the marketing department. It was myself and Dr. Nakamoto. And I said, it's bigger than the website. It's our digital footprint. We don't have one. And we're going to be behind when the next generational cohorts come and expect to see a presence on social media. So I did a pitch to the dean. I wrote a proposal. Um, as we say, PRISM started on a piece of paper. Wrote a proposal based on um, other organizations that were faculty-led student runs. We looked at basis and seed. But this organization would have been interdisciplinary because I said, I guess it was being curious at the point of who's helping the students, who's getting them to New York, who's getting them these job opportunities. Why aren't we working with communicators in the college of liberal arts? And, you know, why aren't we working with designers? And I realized all the silos and I was like, we're not preparing our students when they go out, they're not going to be in silos. They're going to work with a variety of different people. How do we prep them now? So that was the pitch. Um, I asked for $20,000 in a semester to do research he approved it within 24 hours, and I pulled in two key people at that point, Sandy Bass, who's now in Los Angeles, um, working Paramount and all that, and then Charlotte Ryland, who is at Google, and said, this is a leap of faith. It's called social media. I'm not sure what we can do, but I think we've got to do something. So it literally started there, and in 2011, we had our our first kind of cohort. We're actually coming up on a decade this fall, which is insane. It's the Prism X, but Prism represents a real world agency um, run like um, we've got chief marketing officers. 
We have our separate accounts, like first and main account has been our account for about six years. We do everything from marketing to social, to videos, to radio, to every wrapping a 40 foot bus. Um, to Pamplin, which is our core, and we do tons of work with admissions. We voice all of the campaigns behind the scenes, too. We've worked with Coca-Cola. We've worked with Smithfield Foods. We've worked with a variety. So basically, as a platform for students to apply to, to really, really, there's no dues. The dues are that they work. So it's, re- so it's real world, and their key aspects, I think, are um, work ethic, smarter, you know, not harder. And then are you cool? You know, those three pieces in terms of you got to get along with everyone, but we have had an opportunity to work with such a breadth of different clients and the visits. I mean, where we've gone, whether it's NBA or Google or Facebook, we have, I mean, Hokies all over have opened their doors for us, but we're not just sitting there. We're presenting and saying, this is what prison does. It's a it's an agency that's funded with $100,000. It's all of these multiple awards. It's real world. And then we vet. So we get about 200 applications and we only take 20. So it's really, really, it's it's competitive, but it, it's just, it's New York style. It's New York style marketing, and our, but, but with the heart of the Hokies, I think. And, um, and I'm really, really proud of it because as the years have gone by, we've gotten more structured, more awareness in terms of what the program is doing. Last year, we were named out of you know, 300 organizations, organization of the year for Virginia Tech. So that was great. Um, but yeah, it's just really to showcase to students um, opportunities, teaching them, you know, applied business skills, having them be challenged with real world clients and understand barriers and boundaries. And we've, you know, the real world is not perfect. So I think that's what gives them an opportunity. But we also look at it and say, okay, what kind of work do we enjoy? Because we're in college. So if a client doesn't work out as well, or they're not the best fit, we can say we're not going to work with them again next semester, which is beautiful. It's liberating versus a lot of businesses, which, you know, obviously you have to. So it's just, it's, it's all of that information that's distilled down. So we do everything from training sessions with all the students that come on board, um, analytics, cross-disciplinary, the designers understanding the analytics. So it really does come out where you're spending a couple of years in real world before you even graduate. And then because of all that, they get internships and we usually have great placement, um, you know, usually 100% placement. And, we're, and I work really hard. Like, it is my heart and soul to make sure every senior is placed. So, like, you mentioned, like, you know, a couple of seniors earlier on, it's like, oh, that is my that is my main focus to make sure and sending everything to say, this looks good, this looks interesting, what do you think about this? I'll connect you with this alum, that alum, whatsoever. So, PRISM is, you know, yeah, an interdisciplinary marketing firm of the future, which is faculty-led, student-run, and um, a really just with a diverse array of different clients, everything from sporting to education to consumer packaged goods. And we do sponsorships, so we act as an RSO. And then we also have um, all have funding from the college as well, which is it's been really supportive. And especially right now when students, everything that's going through, you know, when someone said, oh my gosh, what's going to happen with PRISM with COVID-19? I said, this is our time, baby, to shine. Like, we're online. This is it, you know? So we automatically, um, you know, mobilized and started going online and do our, not just our meetings online, but we're bringing alums back from all over. Like, this whole movement, as much as it's been insane in terms of the move online, I've chosen to look at it as the glass is half full and there's so much opportunities we can do with it. So um, PRISM's been fantastic. We just did some virtual visits. We were supposed to go to D.C., 
that didn't happen. So instead we did some virtual visits and had the agencies come and interview the students and all sorts of stuff. So we're, you know, no barriers here. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. PRISM is an incredible organization just from my time and then seeing uh, people come through, um, you know, since I graduated, you know, PRISM takes the best of the best from Pamplin and they create incredible things. And also, I mean, Billy and I could, can speak about this, but, um, you know, it's cool to have that New York minded focus. You know, we're both from North Jersey and most of the people that we grew up with end up in New York city, but Blacksburg is, you know, seven or eight hours away. And sometimes you don't always think you're going to have those connections to New York if that's where you want to be someday. So, um, you know, having an organization like this and having a mentor like you to have those connections to Hokies up there who are willing to help other Hokies get involved in New York city uh, is pretty incredible as well. Perusing the uh, the bio here, had to ask because we saw that you were a keynote speaker at the 2014 Dreamforce conference, a oh. conference hosted by Salesforce uh, in San Francisco. And I'm going to be celebrating my one year anniversary at Salesforce this week, actually. So I'm excited about that. Ooh. But um, you know, if I were to go back six years ago and know what I know now in 2014, seeing that one of my professors is a Dreamforce keynote speaker, I would have been thinking this is the coolest thing in the world. Tell us about your, uh, your experience out at Dreamforce, uh, you know, speaking in front of so many people. I will tell you that I love Salesforce. I absolutely, I mean, that company and the one-to-one-to-one model, just everything. We were using Salesforce from a higher education standpoint. They had a platform at that time called Radian 6. So we used it for our analytics to understand behind the scenes, engagement with our communities. Um, And so I would connect right away and just kind of say, okay, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. So I got tied in with another professor at Notre Dame and he was doing some really interesting things with campaigns, with analytics, with social, with some students. So we just started talking about how we're using the platforms, how it was really changing the scope of business as well as relationships. And so they reached out and said, would you, you know, would you do a presentation? So the first one was out in um, California. So every year, I'm sure you've been a part of the amazing Dreamforce, which is the most 150,000 people in San Francisco. I mean, I hopefully they'll allow some of that, you know, to continue, but Mm -hmm. it was explosive and I would bring students there and just for them, they were like, Oh my gosh, what is this? And I said, this is the world. This is marketing. This is business. This is technology. This is everything. So, um, through relationships, I got an opportunity to present. I actually ended up presenting in, um, San Francisco, once, which I gave a presentation about everything that we do from a university, but overall engagement. So that tied in early on a lot of universities saying, how do we do it? How do we understand, you know, building of communities, engagement, people, different generational cohorts, what students are doing online. So it gave kind of, you know, it took the barriers down and really said, this doesn't have to be that difficult. And this is kind of what we're doing and how we're using the technology from Salesforce to do it. And um, it's, you know, it's, it's been a lifelong opportunity. There's a funny story in Salesforce because there was a picture taken and I can send it to you at some point, but so, you know, I'm a little animated at some points. Right. And, um, so we went to Salesforce, I think, I don't know, my ankle was hurting or something like that. So they were going to put us in this back row. And I said, no, we need to be up in the front. So we're up in the front. And the performer was Stevie Wonder. And I went like, you know, like it was like, isn't she love? you know, and all that sort of stuff. And then there's a photographer that's like just taking, just snapping. And, and I don't even really know. So I'm with two of the students, two, um, 
two, two, they're now alums or whatever, but they were my CMO and CEO and, um, you know, just dancing and this and that. And so they snapped this picture and this picture that they used, um, then went out for a couple of different times and it was on the website, you know, and it was kind of fun. And then one of our alums who actually works at Salesforce, he worked there, he left and then he came back. He's amazing. He's in San Francisco. I want to connect you, Pat, um, Clayton Miller. And he was doing the promo materials. He worked Dreamforce. So from the day it started to the day it ended, he did everything. He was with a huge team. So they were like, Clayton, we need pictures for banners, this and that. And he's like, how about this picture? So he chooses a picture of me and a student. So then they created all these banners and all this other sort of stuff. So I was literally like the face of the Salesforce um, conference, but I loved it. I mean, that was one of the most explosive experiences that I've had in my life. And I did a smaller version at the Jacob Javits Center in New York, which was kind of cool because I got to bring my daughter to that one. But just to see the best of the best and all the different corporations and how they were using data and how they're really understanding where this could go, being able to do predictive analytics and forecasting was just absolutely phenomenal. So, you know, it's interesting because I think their model, and I still say to this day, you know, as they track and they track, they understand high schoolers who are now moving into um, into the world of college. So they understand profiles. They understand what classes they did, what careers they might be doing. And I tell you, one of the things that Salesforce is involved with now is getting um, working with all the ACC schools. So um, just talked to somebody over at athletics and they said, you know, I looked up Salesforce and trying to find out anyone at Virginia Tech that used it and your name came up, Donna. And so I talked to whatever and I said, I think it's the most brilliant thing because it, it calculates a student and showcases where they need help, where, um, you know, where areas they're going to really soar or where areas they may need help, the best potential for careers, positioning, all that sort of stuff. So I still to this day say we need a really strong platform like that. We don't have one where you can still walk into an advisor's group, you know, office and they have some information, but at the end of the day, they're still, you know, swiping through papers versus looking at a file and saying, oh my gosh, Pat, you have this background, did you know this exists or this exists? We have an alumni in this area. Let's get you connected. So that's the potential, I think, for it from the academic standpoint. And obviously from the consumer packaged goods, it's exploding. I wish I had that idea. I wish I was Mark. I was like, I was around in the late 90s. Why didn't I have that <laughs> multi-billion dollar idea? But I couldn't have had it because then I wouldn't be here with you today. So the... <laughs> Um. In terms, in terms of, uh, if you just listen to the first fifteen minutes, it's great to hear how passionate you are about helping your students, about building out the marketing platform, and um, everything going on in marketing at Virginia Tech. So, definitely want to say it's just awesome to hear how excited you are and how true it is that if you don't love what you do, what are you doing? Find something else to do. So, that's fantastic advice for any student or anybody listening right now. So as we said, um, Pat and I were both lucky enough to take your class, um, and we just figured we'd do a little report card review. Um, I remember the one thing that stuck out when I, when I was preparing for this part was the first day of class, everybody shows up, because everybody shows up the first day of class, of and, you, and you sold everybody on the class. You yeah. essentially, you, you, had the, uh, you had the, I'm going to call three people's names, but then you broke down how much each class costs the exact dollar amount of how much every class costs if you divide the course yeah. level by the amount of days. And I was sitting through that. And in terms of a, that was the best marketing pitch you could have given the first day of class is, hey, your parents are paying this much money. And for you to sleep in 30 extra minutes or watch two episodes of The Office, this is how much money you're taking from your parents. And 
even me, a scholarship athlete, I was like, all right, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be missing a, you know, $2,000 class. I'll make sure to be here. So that was fantastic. Um, And as an ADHD kid who was just, you know, it was very hard to sit through huge lecture halls. You did a fantastic job of bringing the energy and passion that you have for marketing and for your students into class every day. And it made it easy to participate, made it easy to get excited about what you were talking about. Um, so just, just from me, I really, really appreciated that. And, um, to be honest, I'm not just saying this, it was my favorite class that I had taken at Virginia tech. It was outside of the scope of what I needed to take. And, uh, thank God, Rindy, uh, Rindy Roosh, now Rindy Mitchell was like, Hey, you should really take this class. I can see you in marketing. I can see this being something you're interested in. And professor word looks fantastic. And I'm so glad that I did. So, uh, a, a plus, I really enjoyed, uh, my time in your class. Um, but same. Oh my gosh. I love that. Thank you so much. Cause it always, you just need one, you know, and it's like, I, everything, honestly, I do, it's just see you all soar. And it is, mm-hmm. it's like, I will be gone off this earth at one point. And it, if you all, you're all paying it forward and doing so many amazing things and learning. And it is, you know, it is the cost. It's the value of education to look sure. at. It. That's why I never want, you know, I wanted to, we put so much work into the class and speakers or whatever, because I want to bring you something that you're interested in. I don't want you to just sit there and be like, Bueller, Bueller, you know, it's like, no, (laughs) I've said this for a long time. Education should not be a quiet experience. You Mm -hmm. know, and some people, my class is great. Other people, it may be a little bit, you know, too, too much or whatever the case, but it's, it's that I really care and that anyone, regardless of how many students are in the room, they're all individuals and you need me, you need help. You are somebody's child that is sitting in that chair and is hope trying to learn and trying to navigate through. So that's why it's really so important. So Pat, what would you give the class? (laughs) Yeah. So I was in marketing, so I had no choice. No, I'm just kidding. I I had heard about this class from, uh, from Alyssa Lopez, who is a great family friend from town. And I think she had told me about, Professor Wardelick before I even got to Virginia Tech. So, you know, I went the marketing route and I knew that um, intro to marketing would be on there. And I just hear how much fun the class is. And that's what you want in college. You don't want to go to a class, you know, just like you said, Ben Stein. Is it Ben Stein? Bueller, Bueller? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's Ben Stein. <laughs> like, I remember the first day. Is it is it the marketing 3104 experience? It's 3104, right? Oh yeah. And, and it's, it's the experience. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all about animation. It's all about fun. I remember um, you would talk about the, the, the kids sitting in the first three rows and <laughs> dubbing them as first class. And I was like, okay, well I, I, I got to sit in first class. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I would sit in even, it wasn't the first row. It was the third row uh, with my group of sophomore friends. Cause we were sophomores at the time. But that was just a class that you never forget because every single every single time you'd go in, you would have a great speaker or you would just be um, presenting uh, commercials that caught your eye and, uh, you know, different uh, marketing strategies that these companies would promote. Um, so that was just incredible. The personal branding project I thought was pretty cool. It was uh, allowing ourselves to do, you know, a one or two minute v- video to describe our own personal brand. And myself, I obviously talked about how much Virginia Tech was a part of my brand. So that's, I, I was watching the video the other day because I still have it saved on this computer. Um, I'll send it to you. It, it's very cringeworthy looking at it five years later. Um, but yeah, spring 2015, I think Kayla Smith was the TA. 
and uh yeah and kayla kayla's in dc yes oh my gosh i'm i tell you the class of 2015 and 2016 like those two years it just there was so much richness and just the greatest greatest people but yeah it was awesome to have kayla as one of the tas because she would know so many things about students i wouldn't and she's like yeah you know it's just so great but they were real i chose undergrads as tas not grad students i chose students that were already took my class and had the Mm -hmm. experience but also said they knew some of the kids and i was like all right are they telling the truth and maybe they kind of slide (laughs) she's like they were totally downtown last night or whatever But it was all in good fun. I, you know, it was all like, oh, you know, everyone lives, everyone's got worlds or whatever. But yeah, I definitely, um, I enjoy it. I still love to this day. I still wake up and get really pumped for classes. And it's not, you know, yeah, it's, I'll have a cup. I don't drink as much coffee, I think, as most people think. It's just, I really love what I do. I mean, yeah, I get out there and you all inspire me because I see faces or I see a campaign. I'm like, this is amazing. Do you know why this is amazing? This, this, and this. And, and every year, I think, I pivot or I try to add something in. I change the class up all the time, but also in my career, different things that I've at, you know looked into. And a lot of it comes down to, and this is from everything, one word, curiosity. Who's doing this? Can we do this? Can we do this? You know, and everyone's like, Donna, you're so curious about how do you do this and just just do it. Just see how it, you know, goes or whatever. And so that was a lot of the aspect and even what you were all doing today, like who's doing something along these lines, right? Like, is it being done? How can we do it in our own fashion and make our own brand out of it? And um, I just think, you know, and I, you know, I've been, I was following it, you know, for a while and then I got a LinkedIn message um, and I was like, absolutely, you know, let me check this out. And it was, I was so proud. I was like, oh my God, look at this. This is amazing. So this is like me, like totally invested a thousand percent into Suns or Saturday, like like whatever we need to do to blow it up, it's happening. It's totally happening. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's incredible. So you just talked about how curiosity is so important, uh, you know, with your day to day. Can you tell us about your current day to day? I'm curious to know about that. You know, it's May 3rd, 2020, and the world is in a completely different state right now uh, with remote instruction and remote learning. Can you kind of just give us the rundown? Yeah. So I will tell you that some people are like, oh my God, I'm so bored. I'm so bored. I'm drinking from a fire hose. (laughs) It's honestly, it's been insane, but a good insane. So I have two different roles. So I have 75% I'm in the department of marketing. So I do everything from teaching to doing videos to handling, um, recruitment and helping out with the department and all sorts of things there. And then the other 25%, I'm director of marketing strategy and analytics for the college. So between the two of them, it's been an explosive. So on a normal day, I'm probably on multiple different Zoom calls. We're gearing everything up for the graduations. We have a 30-day countdown. We're doing a huge video, a gift, all that sort of stuff. So that takes immense amount of time. And then we're working with university relations as well. But that's kind of cool because that's actually the strategic marketing portion of Applied that I get to do and showcase. And Prism's powering all that behind the scenes, which is really, really great. And they're getting in their way, getting involved and in front of things or whatever. So we're doing some cool things with them. We have... Um, we created a reel of hope, which is just a note for both of you, which is to do a 10 to 20 second video for all our graduating students. And then we're going to stream it all the way through to just say, you've got this. So we've got alums from all over the world just doing these little quick videos. So that's half of that. And then the other half was when classes moved online, 
a little bit, I was like, okay, okay. And everyone's like, oh, I'm doing narrated PowerPoints, this and that. And I was like, I don't want to put, you know, everyone has their own form or whatever, but I was like, this is now in lack of a better word, like a talk show. So why don't I just bring on guests and we can, so I decided to, from every lecture from COVID all the way to the end to bring alumni as there's a couple of guest speakers, but to co-lecture with me. So I had, you know, the director of marketing for American Express, um, talk about integrated marketing communications and shop small campaign. Or we had, you know, Lauren Prosiv who discussed this whole initiative with Chevy and her campaign and how they're doing, you know, mobilization, et cetera, to, you know, Matt Arden with, you know, NBA 2K and how they had to move everything up to the cloud. Or the last one we had, which was this was, and she's my mentor, so this was absolutely incredible, was Bridget Ryan Berman who spoke of when she worked with a man named Ralph, Ralph Lauren, um, and she was CEO of Ralph Lauren. And then when she pivoted a little to Armani, and then she got a call from this guy, Steve, to fly out to California and meet him. It was Steve Jobs. And to talk about, it was right when Apple was starting their retail stores. And she's just, I mean, and she's the most humble alum whatsoever, but talking about it. And then she went on to be the CEO of Victoria's Secrets. I mean, but she joined us in the class. And I said to the class, so this is the way I do the Zooms. I'm like, if you want to join, very cool. You can get frontline access to these phenomenal speakers and ask us any questions, but we're still going to record it. So if you don't have time, whatever. So it's still the student's choice in terms of, do you want to join or do you not want to? And obviously we have these phenomenal speakers more and more loads in, but knowing, you know, just pivoting, just pivoting and thinking we have all been through something shell shocking here. And my first zooms to the students were, are you okay? How, what can I do? How can I help you? And even with the testing and exams or whatever, you know, I mean, I just, I wanted to kind of simplify things. I didn't want them to stress about it. So most, it's like, you know what, it's open book. It's this and that. I'm not going to do locked it. You know, it's on the lockdown browser, lock this, lock that, you know, stress the kid out. And I'm just like, this, it shouldn't be, you know, and it, it it's really, um, it's really been interesting. So daily, you know, I'm on calls next week's our last week of classes. I'm actually doing summer session one, um, which will, you know, do some live stuff there as well, but I kind of enjoy it. And I'll tell you why online. I love teaching live. I absolutely love teaching live, but sometimes, you know, it breaks your heart. If you look too far back and you see the kids that aren't listening or, and I know that's part of it or whatever the case, but online it's like your own show <laughs> it's just like who do we have today and this and that so it's just and it brings in and there's no boundaries i could bring in anyone any alum anyone in the world zooming in because we're all at the same space in terms of just all at home and on our computers so it's opened up a lot so my days are really really busy and probably running from one thing to the next um but they're really rich and i really enjoy them that's fantastic and one other thing that i've kind of that's been my tagline is when you hear people say, you know, I'm bored or I have nothing to do. I think a lot of people just need to take a second. And as Pat said, zoom out and realize you don't know if you'll ever have another opportunity where you have, you know, a hundred plus days where you're getting hours back, especially if you're a nine to five employee. If you come out, I tell people, if you come out of this quarantine or you come out of this time where everything's up in the air and you're spending more time at home as the same exact person, then you've, 
really kind of wasted your time. Um, whether it's spending time with your family, whether it's, you know, reading that book that you said you always wanted to read or, you know, getting in shape or, or just developing good habits um, for you to rely on when this does go back to normal, which it will. Um, I think that should be the primary focus of everyone right now is finding that one thing that you're going to really lock in on and try to try to improve about yourself. So if you're bored, you probably need to find something to be unbored with or find something to dedicate this extra time with. Don't spend it. Netflix is fun. I'm watching my fair share of Netflix. I'm watching my fair share of HBO, but make sure you're doing some type type of enablement and moving the ball forward. Exactly. Exactly. And I think also during this time, it's a time of ideation. So it's kind of, you know, what, what are things that we are doing that we're like, wow, I never thought I could do this from home, but what are products or services that we could use that aren't available to us? So that's what excites me in these times of when we're down. And it's true. It's kind of like that time to connect with family. I've always said, and I've said this the last few years that attention has become a form of commerce. And because we're so saturated with information, you know, the breath and, you know, we're pulled from this platform to this, to, you know, everything. I mean, those 5,000 messages, but now even more on top of everything, you know, how do you focus? How do you talk? How do you have that unplugged zoomed out one-on-one where you're just looking at someone and really in that moment. And so um, this it's, it's like someone just put the brakes on everything. And someone said it a few months ago, they said, what if the world just shut down for a month or two? And I was like, what are you kidding me? And then it did. And then it just brought back relationships. It connect. I mean, it just connected in a way that we are all walking through history right now. And some of us are choosing to do something really unique with history. And some of us are choosing to, you know, to look at it in a variety of different lenses. And I always look at it like, how do we embrace this time? How do we support each other? How do, how do we make people really motivated to know their value and what they can do within this time? So it's been, you know, it's been really interesting. Um, my daughter's a freshman finishing up her freshman year at tech, which was like, hope you enjoyed freshman year. It's over. <laughs> you know? But you know, even, even that getting that time back or, you know, time with my high school or whatever, and, or just, you know, or any, any of those things, I think, and, and looking at, you know, even my husband who's involved in now setting up all these labs for COVID-19 and all the testing and everything, everyone wants to do something. And I think that's part of Hokies a lot too. It's like, you know, roll up my sleeves. How do I, you know, get involved? How can I help and provide value? Son, sons of enablement, as uh, we like to say. <laughs> How are you getting better outside of that nine to five? And uh, speaking of nine to five, so after five o'clock a couple of weeks ago, I joined a alumni happy hour and you were the special guest and you were talking to us about some of those alumni that you've been able to engage with, um, you know, whether it's EA Sports and 2K or HBO or Nike, Victoria's Secret, like as you mentioned, uh, what can what can some of your students expect? I know that classes are probably ending very very soon, but are there any more special guests coming in, or um, even for you know next semester? Do you have any uh, people in mind that you're looking to bring on? So here's the big news, and I'm pretty excited. I'm going to be teaching a new class. Um, I'm still teaching 3104, but get this: I'm teaching careers in marketing, one credit, pass or fail. And every class is bringing an alum. So it's going to show the breadth, whether you want sports marketing, technology, consumer packaged goods. So every single class is going to have a speaker that's going to talk about the breadth. We're going to personal brand them. We'll build a website for them, all that sort of stuff. But I am really, really pumped about that. And they can expect to see even more. I mean, we're going to 
we've been, we're going to zoom in. We've got some alums that are in Amsterdam that head up Netflix over there. We've got an alum that oversees Lululemon, um, more gaming and Facebook. So I'm just going to continue to reach out and just see how many more people we can bring in. And I even, I mean, you too, in terms of what you're doing and how you built this through, you would be great to say, this is what I'm doing, you know, in my career. And Hey, I'm also doing this as well. I mean, that's a phenomenal story. So, um, you can expect a lot more Microsoft, um, a lot of big companies that'll come back and then even um, entrepreneurs, a lot of innovators, a lot of people that have created businesses that are absolutely doing in their dorm rooms that are doing absolutely phenomenal. So I'm just really looking forward to that. Um, We do have, which is interesting, um, I guess I'll mention him because he's amazing. So a marketing grad from 15 years ago has recently come back to tech and he is the new defense line coordinator, maybe Mr. Daryl Tapp. So, um, yes. So in this whole reel of hope, I just had an opportunity to have a conversation with him and say, would you have 10 or 20 seconds? And it was just like, absolutely, absolutely. So I'm hopefully going to pivot and be able to have him at, you know, in, in this coming this semester or spring or wherever, we'll kind of figure things out, but just engaging and just talking about different career paths, lives, how they all come together, even with marketing, even if you didn't do a marketing specific job, how that aspect is helping you in terms of how you position, how you negotiate, how you analyze things. Um, so there's going to be a lot of good stuff. The careers in marketing, I'm excited because we're, we're opening it to everyone, but it's to freshmen or sophomores that are just like maybe undecided or I don't even know what I want to do. And it's, it's such low barriers. It's, you know, it's pass fail. It's one credit. It's like, come, and there's only 50 seats. So I think we've got maybe 20 seats left or whatever in the class, but I'm so excited for that. So that's going to be really cool. Coach Tapp brings a very similar energy that you bring. So I think he'll be a fantastic addition. Um, so that's awesome. Congratulations on the new class. I wish I had the opportunity to take it. Um, <laughs> so in terms of, of, you mentioned football and Sunday, Saturday, we got to talk a little bit about uh, football. And there is actually some really interesting things going on in the football and the NCAA world right now. So the NCAA's top governing board actually voted to allow student athletes to profit off of their name, image, and likeness, finally. Uh, The details are still being hammered out, but essentially athletes will be able to earn money for things like advertising, social media. Um, I'm curious to know how you, if you were put in charge or if you had to, you know, you were speaking with someone in the athletics department, how would you go about doing so? And from the other flip side, how would you go about governing it from the NCAA to keep it from, hey, Ron's toe shop in Tuscaloosa, Alabama is going to, you know, give $2 million to the top recruit in the United States just to get him to go to Alabama. It's a very large and and a lot of moving parts. How would you, how would you attack that? You know, I think, I would probably, everything I start with is research, you know, so I would kind of do some, some research and then I'd probably start with a beta. I'd start with a small cohort and say, let's just start here. Let's see how it works through. Maybe it's a certain amount of different companies that are allowed in, in the beginning, you know, for access, or maybe, you know, I think I would really, I think the guidelines are going to be really important and how, and what people read between the guidelines and how that's used. I think that's going to be really critical. On one part, I think it's wonderful for these students to be able to build that brand within college because, you know, when you're an athlete in college, you were, you know, king or queen, right? And sometimes that, that, um, that, 
that aspect ends after you graduate, you know, and you're no longer the big, you know, the big woman or man on campus or whatever the case. So if that can assist them in terms of building out, you know, funds and helping them for after graduation, maybe they want to pay it forward. Maybe they want to go coaching, whatever they want to do. I think that's a wonderful thing, but I do think it's, it can, it can be an open can of worms. So for them to be very, very strategic and structured and understand step-by-step, okay, this is, you know, this is, where, where it was, which was zero. And here's what we're going to do. Do we do it in phases? Do we allow them in phases to do, okay, you know, if you've got this company, we'll start here and then you go to this level and this level, depending on it. You know, I, I think it's going to be really, really critical. And I think it's got to be ethical, you know, and I think that that's some of the things, as you said, like if a big company says that or says, oh, we've, you know, got this great thing and come down to Alabama, then I think that's going to muddy the water. So I think that that has to be involved in terms of how it's approached and, you know, companies that are involved, but guardrails in terms of what can be done. It's protecting the student as well, you know, because um, what they could, you know, be involved in or say, or wherever for one company, and let's say that company gets in mass trouble, does that student athlete now all of a sudden get tied to it, you know, if they were, you know, so there's so many different pieces of that. But I would love to and just experiences with students and just seeing how they are and, you know, 18 to 22, you're growing so much during that four years time frame. And a lot of people, you know, you learn all the education and the academics, but you don't really learn about professional branding about yourself and in terms of whether it's just, you know, business etiquette or, you know, what you put on Twitter, how long it stays, how you can curate content. So I'd flip it to the positive and say, what do you want to be known for, right? Beyond just this football, tennis, whatever you're doing, and how do we start to curate that in strategically aligned companies? So guess what? It's not just when you're in high school, uh, college. We can extend it beyond that. So I think if that is the potential, if we could get some of these companies to align strategically with some of these folks afterwards, after they're done from college and still have a role there in the companies, I think that would be absolutely phenomenal. You know, I mean, we have like, um, and it's not the same or whatever, but like the NBA 2K, they all use former basketball players to come in to talk about the moves you know it's like they're not on the court anymore but they still have so much value so looking at that value and how you extend that out you know to to a variety but honestly i think it's gonna they're gonna have to be really careful really really careful because if it's a class system too in terms of this is the top you know there's the ones that have played versus this and that i mean i think it's just it's going to be really really ugly so i think research they need to start with to just kind of understand it and hopefully universities and schools somehow get together there's some sort of alliance where there are guidelines set so they really do because at the end of the day it is that student that's getting impacted and they could have a ton of money and that could you know could turn into the whole disney aspect you know a ton of money and then go up real quick and then go down really quick as well. So it's got to be managed properly. For sure. And I think that's, I think that's the most important part. And you mentioned it is it's more than just getting, you know, $10,000 or a thousand dollars or whatever. It's, it's the opportunity to, what are you going to do with that moving forward? It shouldn't just be, Oh, they're going to funnel you money. And then that's going to be that. No, if you really take the time to, to harness that and use that to your advantage and work with it, it gives you an opportunity to, create cash flow forever and make yourself marketable. So I think that's fantastic. And um, it also mentioned in the article that athletes will be able to hire agents and how cool would it be if, you know, you were somehow able to set up an internship or set up some kind of new program where, you know, your top performing folks in your class would be able to help these athletes really 
harness that because they have so many responsibilities on the football field. They may not be able to, you know, understand or, or be able to devote the time needed to strategically get into what they need to get into or find the best opportunities to market themselves. So uh, I think it's a really good opportunity. It's going to be very difficult to govern, um, but something that's definitely going to be an interesting case study moving forward. Coronavirus front, I read your uh, your social media article on LinkedIn, which yeah. I thought was fantastic. Um, being human is the one thing that really stood out. And then I, you know, looked at all the commercials, and I think the commercials that stand out to me have been the ones that aren't even talking about their product. Nike had an awesome commercial. ESPN had an awesome commercial, even though it is talking about the products because they technically own the rights to the videos that they're showing. But Boston Marathon had a great one. Philadelphia Sports put out a great one as well. Kind of just talking at the heartstrings and talking about the togetherness of humanity. If in your experience and through speak advertising, how are you helping your clients navigate these difficult times? Because there is a, you know, a line where I, I work at Twilio here and, and they're like, you know, you can't just call people cold call people and try to get them to, you know, change their CRM or change how they're, they're speaking to their customers because it's just inappropriate. Yeah. Um, so how are you kind of managing that uh, in these, in these times right now? So I think you're right. I mean, I think there, first I'll say there are some brands that have been tone deaf and, you know, and, and those that come out like that and just are just pushing, you know, push notifying all their specials, all this, all that, you know, it, it's just kind of, you look at them and you just think that you not know what's going on in the world. And, you know, I had somebody recently who was reaching out from another country and she was reaching out to cite an article I wrote and she just kept coming at me and coming at me. And I finally said, are you not involved in the world? Like, do you, have you heard of COVID-19? And she was like, oh yes, yes. You know, but it was so like, so laser focused on what she needed to do. So we've been talking to clients and really guiding them in terms of um, value and what they stand for and how they can put that out. And it's not a time for asking, it's a time for giving. So navigating that space. So whether it is a shopping center that all of a sudden, yeah, they have to go online, but how do we look at things in terms of whether it's gift cards or contests or keeping that a viable entity? If it's a movie theater, can you stream through? How do we, how do we work through that? Or if it's clients that are, you know, really want to put a position out there, you know, in economic sustainability, it's how do you help small businesses during this time? You know, so I think the approach we've talked about strategically is one, watch the marketplace, watch your competitors, but be authentic and be real. You know, this is not, no one's going to shame you for saying this is one of the hardest times that anyone in their life have ever been through. No one else can speak to this. You, your grandparents have never seen this. Your parents, no one has ever seen this. But guess what? If we are, and I know it says sounds cliche, but if we do work this together, we are stronger together. So whether it is stores that, you know, the small stores, honestly, there's been a lot of rally and help for them. There even been, you know, in the media, you've seen some companies, there was a company that gave out their media buy to small stores instead of for, for itself. You saw Shake Shack getting, you know, funds from the government. They gave it back. They said, give it to the small stores. So you're seeing a lot of amazing um, examples out there. And I think one of the key things is to remember who your brand is, what you stand for, and what value you provide, and how you fit and navigate within this and within a conscious tone. So it's not you're just pushing out there and pushing out there, but you're looking at it and you are really meaningful and purposeful in how you approach things. So I think that's everything from, you know, and even with the college and everything we brand, you know, there's a point when everyone's like COVID-19 all over. And I said, we're not 
we have subject matter experts in our areas for supply chain and all that sort of stuff, but we are not the COVID-19 experts, you know, it's on the tech website, it's on the pamphlet website, but for content, if we just share out COVID-19, guess what? Everyone's getting that. They're expecting content that ties maybe into it, but is different because how many emails did you get from every single CEO in the first two weeks about their COVID-19 policy, right? I mean, it was just, it was inundating with all of this stuff and what happened? You didn't hear anything. There was so much noise with everyone. No brand really, except for the brands that all of a sudden said, wait, this is a pause moment. And you know what? You were important to us. And this is how we're going to go forward. Or the companies that said, you know what? These dues are, we're, we're pausing on all these dues or we're doing this, we're doing that. So I think it's going back to the core brand and saying, what can I offer? What does this platform do? What are you doing here on this platform, Sons of Saturday, right? You're bringing people together. You're talking about topics that are meaningful and engaging. So the brilliance of pivoting and saying, this is where we are now. Yes, all the different sports, you know, sports have been paused and this and that, but we still have past games that were phenomenal that we could talk about, but there's also people in our sphere that we can expand this out to. This, you know, it's all of our journey and how we take it. And like you said, Billy, it's like when you look at it and it's like, I could just sit and say, I'm bored. Or I could say, son's a Saturday, son of gun, let's go, baby. This is our time. This is our time. So I think think it's like, that's how I view it. I think from a client perspective, it's just know your tone, know your voice. You know, one of my really good friends, John Boyer, has, you know, the Blacksburg Wine Lab, which is phenomenal. And he said, you know, we're going to be that light in the night. Like, you know, when all the other businesses are closed, the Blacksburg Wine Lab is still there, that consistent that you can count on. And yeah, things aren't that great. And we're, we're selling spirits and, you know, wine and all that sort of stuff, but come because that's just something. So I think real authentic and just really watching the marketplace is what we've been telling clients. Absolutely. And you have, like Pat mentioned, a really unique um, experience that you can draw from in disease management from your past career. Have you been able to kind of leverage that or, or how has that tied into you being able to navigate this, uh, this situation? Yeah. So it's interesting because my geek out days in pharma with um, infectious diseases and, you know, I always, always worked on a lot of antibiotics and superbugs. So when all of this came, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, this all correlates. My time in pharma really created just such an understanding of the scope. And then even, you know, antibiotic resistance. And when someone keeps coming in and it's a virus, it's not bacterial, it's a virus. And it could be sometimes parents, whatever, just give my kids something, just give my kids something. And all of a sudden they give them something. And then the next time the kid gets sick, that antibiotic doesn't work because it's already kind of planed out and you need to get the next strength and the next level. So seeing all of this has been absolutely an explosion, but I've told a lot of students, I'm like, you know, healthcare, infectious diseases, this is always something that's going to come. This is, you know, we're in a war right now. Right. And who would have thought of this invisible enemy that we have that we're really not. So how do we educate ourselves? How do we understand what's out there? What these, you know, what these bugs are, how not just to protect ourselves, but to look forth in terms of, I mean, cause it's going to change everything, right? So it's going to change policy. It's going to change how we do things. You know, we're working with a big building construction client. It's like, do we initiate new things within the building? You look at, um, hotels and you know if they have masks on they can't smile so now they have to do messaging when you walk in to make you feel that warmth again so there's so many different um components but when you think about infectious diseases 
I think it's brought it to light more now than ever. Everyone's like, oh yeah, the flu, this and that or whatever, but it really is something. And I pull a lot from my background in terms of whether it was Augmentin for, you know, ear infections or Levaquin for staph infections. And, you know, they're usually in small cohort and small cases, but when all of a sudden it goes from this stance of really, really impacting tens of thousands of people, right? And, and the death rate and everything, you really look at it in terms of a, an aspect of, are we prepared, you know? And how can we learn from this and become more prepared, you know? Because I feel like parts of the country were and weren't, and then then other parts of the country ramped up and then there wasn't as much. So, and you know, it's, I mean, no one could have seen this from a crystal ball. We constantly say, if someone said this six months ago to us or seven months ago, we'd be like, are you nuts? Like you need, you're crazy. You're crazy. But it happened. And we keep having these things that ha- are happening. So I think that's a critical aspect to be more prepared for. But in terms of infectious diseases and how easily they are spread, I think this has been a huge awareness and education campaign, hopefully for everyone to to realize it and just know that it's, you know, it may seem really, really simple, but just washing your hands. And, and I think I early on from some health officials I work with, they were like, this is bad. No, no, this is really, really bad. Like this. And they were like, and I could just see it in their eyes, this, this, this frightened, you know, and and just how like, this would be something that we'd never see before. And there wasn't anything that we could turn on or, you know, turn a vaccine on or whatever the case, you know, and even when this vaccine is out there, you know, do you want to be the first cohort that gets it? You know, what is that going to look like? So there's so many questions now that are going to be tied in with healthcare, with research. And I think it's going to actually allow a lot more to come out and more research to go into this because, you know, healthcare is, or survivor, you know, I mean, we need to invest in that to really new diseases, innovation, et cetera. So I think, um, I think at this time more than ever, infectious disease has, has shown its head and now everyone needs to be aware of that research needs to be put in. We need to change our, our ways and just, and, and really, really be more cognizant of that. If we want to, we will, we'll have a future for our young ones, but we want a future that they can truly, um, truly soar in versus just living in this context of what we're in now. So yeah, infectious disease, pharma. I love it all. <laughs> I did a lot of work in there. If you ever work in pharma, you feel like you get a PhD afterwards and people are like, what about this? I worked in cancer. I worked in, you know, all sorts, but I, infectious diseases was probably one of the ones that, and it always tied with my life. Right. So I had like, I worked on an antibiotic for especially kids that were in daycare. And at that time, my kid was in a daycare. So it was like a small Petri dish, a bacteria Petri dish of kids in daycare, you know, and how we target moms versus working moms that are, you know, that drop their kids off there so we can get versus stay at home moms and where their pathway goes. So all of this is just has been a really interesting case study as well to determine who's doing things and who's doing things appropriately, you know, and, and just who's amping up their game for um, being more sterile in their, in their environments. So we got a couple more questions for you here before we get into uh, rapid fire and letters from the lunch pail. And maybe we should have kicked it off with this, but Everyone finds their way to the New River Valley and the mountains of the Blue Ridge Mountains, uh, Blacksburg, Virginia. How did you get there? You know, 12, was it 12, 13 years ago? And uh, I know your daughter's there now. How do you feel different about Virginia Tech now that you have more skin in the game? Obviously, you've been there for over a decade, but now that one of your own, one of your loved ones is a student there, does it, has it changed at all? Oh, heck yeah. And you talk about that 250 per class, man. I mean, that is just, let's know we're ready. There's nobody back yep. there. Um, so it's interesting because the, 
the pause moment, I call this a pause moment too, was 9-11. And actually on 9-11, I was driving, it was working for Ogilvy, driving into the city to meet with Mount Sinai about all these campaigns that we were doing or whatever. And it was just, I got to get in, I got to get in. You don't miss a meeting with this executive board. Um, and then everything stopped. And I think that was the pause moment. And I started talking to my husband. So my husband by trade is a master scientific glassblower. So I started, you know, our first year or whatever, just thinking about that. We had our first child and I realized part of it was I was dropping her off at daycare in the morning and she'd scream. And then at home, when I got home at 10 o'clock at night, she'd be sleeping. So I had no relationship with her there. And then it was just a little bit of the rat race. I was like, God, it's like, who's got the bigger house? Who's got this? Who's got that? Can we do it differently? So my husband at the time had an opportunity and this was back in um, 2013 um, two different opportunities. One was in Australia and one was in Blacksburg. So of course, what would you have picked Blacksburg? So um, we, we chose it as a leap of faith, as a leap of faith. And I actually worked for my firm for the first two years. So we moved down in 03 and um, people said, what are you going to do down there? Cause I had never heard of it. Just being from like, you know, New York, Jersey, it was like Florida, California. There was no like, and you know me, not the biggest at the time sports person or whatever. So it was just like a straight shoot. So I was like, Blacksburg, Virginia, is that even, you know, an appropriate name? I don't know what that is, right? So, um, you know, I just went, I went down and for, for the first couple of years, I worked Ogilvy and then I started my own business and I fell in love with the community. You know, first time I went to Gillies, I was like, this place is so chill. It's so great. People are real here. And, you know, just wanting to, from a big city, come to a town where people would know you and you'd have more of a kind of community type of feel. So, um, so that's what started. And then literally, I think in the time frame, uh, it was curiosity, but it was also, you know, I think I, I gave a lecture to a class and then, once again, I said this in, in college, I said, oh my God, people get paid to do this, to teach these amazing students. Cause you could just see all the bright faces and like, they were excited to see you and it was fun. And I'll never forget my first semester, which was January, 2008. And it was a five o'clock class. So everyone was gone. So, and the technology was not that great, but I baked for them every single class. Um, we had subs for finals or mid midterms or whatever. And that class was amazing because there were, I mean, it was just, and it sparked me to want to do more and more and to engage and whether it's a social media class or wherever it is. And, and still to today, when someone's like, Donna, can you prep a new class? It's like, yes, let's do it. Let's do careers in marketing because so many, and it's for everyone. It's not, you know, it's that, for the students that are in marketing and that chose that great. You can come in and see the breath. But the students that are like, I'm not sure what I want to do. You know, I just know that, you know, so-and-so, my dad, my parent, whatever, so I should go into accounting, but like, I don't know if that's for me. So it gives you that breadth and depth, but it's just been electrifying. And as much as I think from a career standpoint, healthcare has been really rewarding, knowing I was making an impact in certain fields. That's what education was. It was just an impact. And then seeing the students and from the very, I don't know, second year or whatever, I started advising PSE, you know, and they were thrown off campus at the time. So I would travel with them all over and they were like, Oh, you know, it was like, Oh, this is cool. Donna, the advisor, <laughs> she goes all, but I loved it. And then, and then prism ideated. And then I restarted AMA. So just being really involved and appreciating the students was just 
mind-blowing. I mean, I learned from all of you. You learned from me. I learned from all of you. And in terms of having a daughter there now, it's interesting because for years she said, never, 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 you know, I will never go there. And to then it was, you know, this time around last year and she's like, it's Virginia Tech. And I didn't think this would happen, but I was like, oh my God. Like I took a moment, you know, and I honestly, as you know, as a teacher and all, you know, and all of my students, it just, it was incredible. But like now being a mom and knowing my daughter was tied to this hokey network, you know, so her big thing was she wanted to, and she's in communication. So she's kind of finding her pathway and all that sort of stuff. But it definitely is when COVID-19 hit and I said, don't you have a class right now? <laughs> and she's like, oh, they're not taking attendance. I'm like, 250, 250. But she's seeing her, you know, he's seeing her soar, seeing her figure it out too. And that's been really, really incredible just, and I'm so, so proud of her. So it is, it's definitely a lot more skin in the game, but um, just seeing where she goes and what opportunities are open to her. But Virginia Tech has been the biggest blessing that I never thought I would have in my life. And if someone told me 17, 18 years ago, I'd be doing this, I would never have believed you. I never thought about education. I never thought of a career in teaching. I never thought about anything. It was always hit the ground running. We're in marketing. We're doing this. We're working on this brand, that brand. But somehow throughout the years, I've been able to bridge a lot of that together and really create a position in which I love that I get to still work with students. I get to still impact them, whether it's from a mass level or from an organization level. I still get to strategically align and do research and work with Pamplin for the next Global Business and Analytics Center, a $220 million set of buildings, you know, and Pamplin is going to get its day in the sun. You know, we're like the quiet bear that is, you know, the, the sleeping bear has awoken kind of thing for Pamplin. So to be a part of that, to be a part of Virginia Tech at this time, just everything and, and knowing that, you know, there are everyone's so accessible. And I think that's a wonderful thing as well. Like I know when I see president Sands, he knows who I am, you know, and not just because of, you know, and it's just, and, and people that are really caring and, and connected. So, so yeah, it's been, it's been a wild ride, but it's been a really good, good ride. Um, and for the past, like you said, 12 years of being there in some capacity and it just, it gets better every day. It really does. Cause I still want to challenge. Or if I see something, I'm like, can we do something here? Can we do something there? Or who's helping out here? So it just, it keeps, it's my drive. It's my, it's my internal blood coffee that goes on with that. <laughs> so we're going to get into our rapid fire round here brought to you by Sharky's Blacksburg. It's where good friends go. Follow them. If you don't at Sharky's underscore Blacksburg on Twitter at under at Sharky's underscore Bberg on Instagram. I know that, uh, that recruits really like to get to, you know, 7k, 8k, 9k, 10k followers. Well, Sharkies is closing in on 2K, so let's try to get them to 2K. Follow them today. Get in there. They got the deal wheel going every single day uh, for wing deals. It's awesome. If you aren't getting food from Sharkies, what are you doing? Uh, they what are got you doing? The deals. They got the deals. Kyle bombs, Vegas bombs, car bombs. Kyle! <laughs> Bogo Burger Mondays. Get in there. Get into Sharkies. We love them all at Sharkies Blacksburg, where good friends go. So... Rapid fire, Professor Wardelick. Favorite restaurant in Blacksburg that isn't Sharky's? Lefties. Lefties. That's love. the second time we've gotten a Lefties answer. We love you know, the Perkovich family. I love them. I love Sharky's because Stephanie is a powerhouse. I mean, that woman is, and she's a Northern, I believe. Uh, I'm pretty <laughs> sure she's in New York or whatever, but, and it's like female owned business phenomenal. Uh, but, you know, so we definitely, 
go there a lot and that's a mainstay. We used to go to the old one before it moved over and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I'd say lefties just because, um, they, their breakfast and anyone will say, where do you find Donna on weekends? And it's lefties breakfast. I love it there. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite film. Fight club. Fight club. (laughs) One rule about fight club. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Uh, what has been your favorite memory working for Virginia tech? I think one of my favorites was early on when, um, and it was student voted. It wasn't like political or whatever. It was just who voted. Um, I was favorite professor and it was, um, it wasn't the New York times. Um, but it was Bloomberg. Bloomberg. Yeah. Yeah. So it was official and I was just like, really? And I just, I was, I was so blown away. And I think that was, an incredible time, but I think any time that I've traveled with students, um, helped them, seen them, it's always been really, really great. Um, we had a good opportunity a couple of years ago, or a year or so ago with New York Times. Just any of those where it's not just me, but it's shining the spotlight on students. So there's been so many. There's been so many, and that's kind of cool when you can say that about a career. There's been so many, but those are a couple of the spot highlights of it. And then favorite hokey sports memory. Ooh. Oh, I know what this is. So it was, I, I want to say, so my youngest daughter is 15. And since she was four or five, we've been taking her to the hockey games, you know, start with the iron chair, whatever. Her dream was always to be, you know, on hockey vision, you know, hockey vision, just get on the screen just one time, one time. So last fall, we had some alums that said, you know, Donna, we're not going to go to this game. Do you want to get it? So we get it and the seats are incredible. And we lock eyes with the camera and she gets on. And I was like, oh my God, we've been waiting 12 years for this. So I tweeted it. And it was just great because she was just like, and it was the coolest thing ever because it just, it, everyone came into it. And I just think those, you know, the games are just so incredible and they're so spirited and, you know, there've been the last second games and all that sort of stuff. But from that perspective, it was just the world, just everything came together in that moment. She was there. And for her, that was everything. And it just, that sold me. That was it for me. I love that. Coach Beamer used to always say that, um, you know, this community, we all go through our walks of life, whether it's, you know, you're teaching classes, students are going to classes, local businesses, uh, this and that. But on game day, on Saturday, everyone is together in one place cheering for the same thing. And uh, that's really cool that she was able to have that moment there. Uh, so Billy's going to flop it over here and we're going to get into the quarantine edition rapid fire. So Ooh, go okay. ahead. <laughs> Another pivot. So we pivoted. We're going to ask some, uh, some quarantine specific questions. And the first one is my personal favorite sons of snacks. What are you snacking on right now? What is in your cupboard that you are just crushing right now? You would laugh because it's literally Nestle morsels. So they're just so, you know, that and some little bit of pretzels. Um, they, they're definitely my kind of go-to in the evenings, which I absolutely love. I love do you popcorn. Do, do you do the, uh, the semi-sweet? Yes, <laughs> the semi-sweet. And then, so it's, you know, and we've been, we've been doing lots of different cooking or whatever the case, but that's just been a quick snack. It's been a quick snack with that. And then I'm trying to balance it because I've been doing lots of exercising too. I've got like the Peloton app and everything. So that's my like basically my cheat for a snack i'd say does that go with red wine are you a wine drinker you throw a cocktail in the afternoon so depending on um i do i mean red wine i do love i am a big proponent of 
Uh, I do. Uh, I think Tito's is a very well made brand. Um, I think they're really, really good. So I guess it's, you know, really good wines or any wine that I really enjoy is, is kind of nice too, but I guess everything in moderation. <laughs> gotcha. And what about series and movies or uh, Netflix series, movies you've been watching? My oh, brother's yeah. doing all the Marvel movies. I think that's like 75 hours of, uh, of, of cartoons, but what are you, what are you watching right now? Well, we just wrapped up Ozark, which was like, oh, oh my God, mind blowing. Um, we also, Little Fires Everywhere, that was more Hulu. Um, and that was really, really interesting. So we're trying to get into a couple others and new ones coming back. Season two, Dead to Me. So that's been really interesting. And old school, and this is hilarious, but one of my favorite shows kind of through college and after, which I'm now re-watching re with my younger daughter is uh, Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> just because oh, wow. it's so pretty there. It's so nice. And their whole lives, it's like you can just go on the beach. And, and it's just, and it brings you back to a time. And that actually, and it's funny because they did a reboot of it this past year. And so I was snapping it on some of my, you know, at night and saying, it's back, it's back. And all these other moms were like, oh my God, you loved it too. And I was like, yes, it's back. So those are those are just some of the um, some of the shows that we've been kind of watching and, and enjoying. But it's been kind of been great. I mean, I have to be honest with you, we have an alum, we have a couple of alums at HBO and Netflix, and their worlds are exploding. Like, their one company is hiring a ton because HBO is going to HBO Max, so they get a ton of digital people and all sorts of things. You know, working remotely, and then netflix and all the programming and everything that they have been coming in it'll be interesting to see what disney does more in terms of you know obviously the parks and all that are getting impacted how they're going to you know pivot and really build out more so it's been um it's been good it's been good times to you know just kind of sit back and to and to enjoy some um really good tv but i would say ozark is is definitely one that and i love Jason Bateman, but that people were saying it, saying it, and then I checked it again or whatever. And then every now and then I'll slip back into lost, which I loved. So. <laughs> and what about Apple music, Spotify? Are you an Apple music or Spotify person? Yeah. Um, Amazon music actually, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know my husband has a contract. I think it's cheap, but anyway, um, I think that, or, you know, I'll, I'll go on, uh, I'll go on Apple music as well. Not so, Spotify I used to, and then I kind of trailed off of that. So I probably could go back on, but yeah. Gotcha. And are you listening to anything specifically? Do you have any podcasts that you listen to? What, what, what are you plugging in? Sons of Saturday, of course. And, um, good hit, good hit. Yes, yes. And, um, I, you know, I, I think I've, my biggest thing, I think in terms of just in general music, I have a streamline of music that I listen to often, but the latest thing is in the last couple of weeks is the Peloton app. And honestly, I mean, I am so motivated because I'm a big cycler. So when the gym closed, it was like, oh my gosh, and started running and, you know, that didn't work out too well. So just cycling and seeing these people from all over the world and they are like crushing, you know, bodies and all of mine, you know, and all that sort of stuff. So I act, I absolutely love that. And then I joined in with a bunch of other Hokies that are on the app or have the bike or whatever. And it's just been really, really fun. So I think from, from that standpoint and with, you know, just my AirPods and, and kind of moving through there every now and then I'll hop on like a book or something, a podcast book, different things like that. But yeah. 
Awesome. And last one here for you. We talked about Sons of Enablement, expanding your horizons. Has there been something that whether your family, your kids, you and your husband or yourself, what have you been kind of taking the added time that you've been given back? Um, how are you spending that time? We, yeah, we are spending time and we've kind of started doing either board games or online fibbage and other things and they're hilarious. So we just got the new game, new phone, who dis, and it's just kind of like a cards of humanity type or whatever. But it's funny because, you know, some of the most inappropriate things, um, my parents are, you know, in their eighties will, um, come out with certain things. It's like, wow. So I think it's broken down a lot of barriers like game time and just having fun and, and sitting and kind of relaxing. That's been one of the things. And then we also got a new puppy. So just kind of spending, you know, time with the maniac as we call him Gus and, and kind of, we have another dog too. So just spending that time walking, you know, just, just slowing down. It's been really nice. Absolutely. So letters from the lunch pail. And this has been so fun. Uh, again, thank you so much. These all come from social media, whether they're, uh, we had folks that even didn't even write a question. They would just be like, Oh, we love professor Wordelik. I took her class in 2010. So that was really cool to see. And I actually added one. I had one other question that I thought of uh, as we were going. So I'll give the first letter from the lunch pail is rebranding and to just being completely honest. So we saw that university of Virginia rebranded, uh, and we saw that Virginia Tech did a rebrand with the with the curly VT, which just being honest, not not a huge fan myself. But what goes into the decision to change something that, you know, the VT has been such a long standing, you know, image that is tied to the university. And even the University of Virginia has had that logo forever. And you see all of these different companies that decide to make a change. And I think. I think it's split. I think some people like it. I think some people don't. But what is going into the decision to change something that's been long-standing for so long? You know, I think, and we were talking about this with Prism and how we evolved the logo, and you look at different logos, whether it's, you know, Coca-Cola or Nike and where they started, and they've had little nuances, you know, but you can still identify it. If you look back at the first Coca-Cola and the one now, you say, yeah, that's still a part of it. It's not completely divorced from it. Um, immense amount of research goes into it, both quantitative as well as qualitative. When you're talking about specifically, we were, we had started, I was on the committee. So we had started talking about changing out invent the future. That's how the conversation first started because invent the future was a campaign that really never really got its legs because sadly 416 had happened and all of that. So it was like, okay, how can we, you know, not, you know, do something different with invent the future. And a lot of conversation was just on the positioning of the university. And a lot of people at that time said, you know, what's a really great positioning. Well, what do we have that no other university has, right? Every university can talk about history, can talk about academics, all that. What does Virginia tech own? And Virginia tech owns prosum that I may serve. And what if we created that as you know, as this, that is our mainstay, that is our foundation for the campaign. So the conversations for quite a while were around that and, and the mark as they were calling it, which, you know, they said mark I'm, in my mind, it's logo, but they were like, Oh yeah, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about this and that or whatever the case. So there was a lot of investment and interest um, that went into it at that time. I think, you know, I'm a researcher, so I'd always say, Let's research it and make sure we have enough students that are aware of it, alumni. Let's make it statistically significant instead of just unveiling it. So I think it's, you know, we, we've talked a lot about it with our marketing advisory board. And it's like, 
the Metropolitan Museum of Art. When it first revised, people were like, oh, I don't like that. And then after a while, it's like, well, I guess I'm used to it now. It's kind of, it's kind of okay. So I think with Virginia Tech, that mark had never been touched, ever, ever. And I think there is right. a sacredness to it, too. And I think, you know, consumers want, they feel they own brands. And especially when you look at students and alumni, it's like, that's our mark. That's what we stand for. So, and it's still a little divided because you know um rotc and athletics didn't use it so it's just kind of the academic one so it'll be interesting how you know i do think it's you know um when it first came out i think a lot of people were like oh my gosh oh my gosh and i think people are getting used to it now more more than ever and i think eventually it'll be the classes that'll come you know maybe they'll take the old logo out of the vault for different things but this is the logo to kind of stay but hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not, you know, close to a million with agencies, with research, with all different sorts of things. And, um, you know, as, as a marketer, everyone does something a little bit different. So I'm big about, you know, slowly phasing and researching and making sure my key stakeholders are aware and that this would be okay. So, um, you know, I think they did it in their, their fashion that they had to launch out at the time with the director of marketing who was there. And um, it definitely caused, a lot of PR, let's just say it that way. Um, mission accomplished. Yeah, mission accomplished. But I think when you look at any brand, you can't divorce. You have to include your stakeholders. And that's why even, you know, we're talking about Prism after a decade. And I said, well, I want to make sure people aren't just changing it to change it and that we have a reason to, and it's an evolution of what we've been versus a complete divorce and then something new because we've worked so long. Now we have this you know, and it's not as ubiquitous as a Nike swoosh or a Starbucks logo, but it's a mark. And when you have a mark that people identify, it breaks down all barriers, language barriers, etc. You just see that and you know what it stands for. You see the VT logo, you can see it in Germany, Italy, wherever, and you're like, hokies, you know, it's kind of like that. So I think they're, um, I think it's getting better with that overall, but when it hit, I think it was a really hard hit for them and for tons of alums and parents and all over. I mean, it was just, it was one of the, the biggest things, but I think it's gotten better. So uh, Grant Watson, <laughs> Grant says, who is your most memorable VT football player that you have had in one of your classes? This is a, a really interesting question uh, because for me, it was Daddy Nicholas when I was uh, in class Daddy. with Daddy Nicholas. <laughs> yep. Daddy. And I was, I think I was calling him the, the wrong name for quite <laughs> And he's like, my name, I think I said Nichols or something yeah. like that. Like my actual Daddy Nichols. <laughs> he was pretty, pretty amazing. I, you know, I've had so many amazing ones, you know, earlier on, there was someone named Colin Carroll, who was a snapper and yep. just, and he was my MDA as well. And I absolutely, I mean, he was so, so brilliant. Um, there have been a lot of them, I think, throughout the years that have just really impressed me and surprised me or that they're just really, really, you know, sweet young men. I think one of the ones I really liked talking to a little bit was Kendall Fuller, who was the last semester that he was at Tech where he took my class and he was also having all those knee, you know, knee surgeries, et cetera. And I remember we sat in my office one day and I said, you know, you need to graduate. And he said, yeah, that's what my mom tells. He's like, I promise my mom, I will finish. I will finish. And that was so important to him because of, you know, the whole Fuller family, I think is so, so impressive in terms of everything that they, they do or whatever. But, um, but just that, that conversation there and his understanding of, yeah, this is great. And obviously he's doing phenomenal, et cetera, but it's like, 
I need my education. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's what I promised my mom. And it comes back to, you know, a son's promise to his mom. And I just thought that was absolutely incredible um, to kind of really see. And then, you know, throughout the years, this past year, um, you know, we had a couple that were going for NFL and, you know, some didn't make it, some did, whatever it may be. But, you know, it's just kind of reminding them too that, you know, you still have so much value and, you know, that's one, that's not an indicator. That's not the only indicator of your life and just kind of bringing them back from there. But yeah, I'd say outside of, um, outside of daddy, um, I would say Colin Carroll and then Kendall Fuller have been some pretty phenomenal ones. Oh, and then, uh, divine Diablo. He, yes. that, young man, that young man is a class act. I cannot even tell you, I mean, how Absolutely. much. And, yeah. And he, um, just his focus, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, after one class, so I know this answer is too long, <laughs> but after one class, everyone finished with, you know, the slates to take the exams on. And it was a mess. Everything was all over. And he was like, Oh, let me just, and he saw only a portion of the corner. He's like, Oh, let me help you pick these up. And then he saw it. And he was like, and I was like, you don't have to stay. You don't have to say, no, no, no. I want to, you know, and I, and he didn't need to or whatever the case. And I threw him an extra point. And I said, you know, the next class I said, we've got a real class act in this room. I said, I want to thank the young man. I said, I'm not going to name him. I said, maybe at some point I will. So I'm officially naming him on this podcast. Breaking news. Yes. Yes. You are a class act. Professor Warlick is so grateful for your focus and your energy. And you are all up just wonderful, wonderful human being. Not to mention the most marketable name of all time, divine Diablo. So big things, big things coming for divine. Um, from Andrew Luo, or Lou, sorry if I'm mispronouncing, what keeps you coming back to teach, even when there are tough days with difficult people to work with? You know, I think overall, it's, I still look back at what I love to do, and I talk to so many alums, and I'm just, I'm lucky. I feel like I just have the greatest job in the world, where, you know, it's flexible, which I really, really love just for life or whatever. I never saw myself, like, just behind a desk all the time, and in my career, it was never like that either. But it's the students. It's just the students and helping. And every, and every single time I'm like, oh my gosh, then I'll meet somebody who's like, or parent will reach out. It's like, my senior is really thinking about Virginia Tech. Could they meet with you? It's like, yes, yes, please come. Or we just did a perspective session. And, you know, everyone's doing the perspective session. So, of course, I was like, um, all right, we're going to we're going to throw some gaming into this. The first three kids, and they were like all high schoolers who link in with me, get some swag. So, like, you know, there was about 80 of them on there and about – I don't know, 25 or 30 connected and I got all these t-shirts and I got to send them out this week. So I still love it. I, I still want them to know what the benefit of this area is of Virginia tech, but of marketing and, and connecting them and seeing them soar. And it's like that, if that would be my legacy, like I could, I could end right now and just say, I'm good. I'm good. Cause that means more to me than anything. It's, it's a rewarding career. And that's what keeps me coming back every, every time and just enjoying it. And, you know, I do absolutely have such a connection with my PRISM students and seeing, and I love that, but I, you know, and and seeing all the different majors and areas and, you know, because I usually just would teach marketing students when I first started, it was just the marketing class and I love them, but all of a sudden this, my lens opened up and I was like, there's students from all over and they need my help or they need my help. So that's a part of it or working with our advisory board and our advisory board who are unbelievable. And I will tell you that their core vision and mission is to make a lasting impact on the lives of Virginia tech marketing students or just, but they will help everyone. So that's why it's like, you guys let me know too, because we have some phenomenal board members that would come in, zoom in with you or whatever it is. But 
we're all in it together, you know, and it's pay it forward and it, it's rewarding. That's what keeps me coming back. It's, it's rewarding to, and when it's not, that's when I know not to come back. <laughs> I love this question from Doug E. Fresh. What is the best way to market Virginia Tech and Blacksburg to football recruits? Ooh, you know, well, I think they've taken a pretty good stance in terms of how you can build yourself and your brand. And I think with, you know, with Coach Tap, people like that, in terms of the level of somebody that has had all that NFL and at the end of the day, it's like, this is where he rose to greatness, you know, and, and looking at that and looking at the field and seeing how many have come before them, but also for the younger ones, the impact you can make, the legacy you can build. And I think Virginia Tech's name has, you know, I mean, so much depth and so much, I mean, especially the last few years, even more now than ever, the value of degrees. You look at the connection with Amazon, the innovation moving forward, what we're doing in cybersecurity, how we're looking, you know, beyond. We're working 10 years into the future. We're not working to next year into the future. The innovation, like, do you want to be a part of that? Can, can we help you? And really, and I think also, you know, the opportunity for these students to know, yes, you're going to get a phenomenal um, experience and career. You're going to be surrounded by people that are going to push you and that have worked at the best of the best. But at the same point, I think looking at it and you're going to get educated and you're going to learn something and you're going to really, really be a valuable asset in the marketplace. And this is our commitment to you. It's beyond just four years. We're in it to the end with you. And I think that's how, you know, kind of a branding and a long-term, because it's not, it's not just, you know, high and goodbye. It's, we're building a relationship with you. And it's not about when you graduate, if you can give us this or that or whatever, but it's like, we're investing in you. And that investment goes much beyond the field. The field is one part of it, but Virginia Tech, you are a student of us as well. You are a Hokie. So Dougie Fresh, that's my response. <laughs> Coach Wardelike, you're living it right now, coming on the pod, helping us out. Thank you so much. So Coach Wardelike, fantastic pitch there. Uh, these are our questions from Instagram. Or no, I'm sorry, we have one more from Twitter. How do you have so much energy in class? You said you don't drink as much coffee. Is it just you got a great motor? You just love, obviously you're loving what you do. Uh, how do you bring that energy every single day? So if you really strategically look, I only teach in the afternoons. So I'm not a morning person really. And, you know, I'll take like a cup of coffee, but then I get jazzed. I get pumped about the lecture, the presentation. I'm like, oh my God, they're going to see this. I wonder how they're going to react or this or that. And I analyze afterwards. I'm like, and my husband will be like, how'd the class go? And I'm like, mm, I could have done this better. I could have done this better or whatever it is. So it's, you know, it's an education, but it's a performance. And it's like, I have to, I want to do my best job to engage to surprise, to educate, for you to enjoy the experience and walk out and just say, I never even thought of it like that. So I think it's just that energy. Um, there is, you know, a little bit of the coffee involved in the afternoon, but come like one or two o'clock, that's when I really start getting, the, you know, um, and, and really just, but I enjoy what I do too. And I think that has a lot to do with it. And it's just, it's pumped. It's, you know, you get in front of all those kids and you're like, yeah, let's go, let's go. You know, who wants to do this? And for the ones that engage and get really into it, that just feeds me even more. So. So moving over to Instagram here, Leov's The World says, what do you think is the next gen concept to shake up the way people are marketing today? Ooh. So I think um, there's a couple of different ideas I have, but I'll, I'll say um, when everything moved to Zoom, I was concerned that the platform would explode um, just because everyone was. And if you think about it, it's only Microsoft Teams and Zoom. They have the marketplace, right? No one else is really using a lot. I think there's a huge opportunity for Twitch. 
um, in terms of just the billions and gaming and working on that platform and getting people to give you coins that you can cash in for things. I think gaming is going to get a lot more immersive. Um, I also think, and I think that, you know, and I said gaming like a decade ago, I think in terms of, I think eventually they're going to figure out holograms. And I think that's going to be a space as well. I know it sounds weird, but it's like, Disney's been doing it. And if we could do that, because now we're all home and people are thinking like, wow, I can talk to this person here. How can I, you know, what's the virtual aspect of it as well? So I think obviously virtual reality is just going to go deeper and deeper. I think it's going to be not just, um, you know, seeing Marriott, the Marriott in Hawaii, it's gloves, feeling the sand, smelling, you know, I think we're going to be able to smell from our computers. You know, I just think there's a lot of stuff that's going to come. I look at the next generational cohorts, obviously TikTok is, you know, TikTok is big on that. You know, and TikTok's really interesting because if you think about it, like look at Twitter, Twitter in 2007 started, right? And all you needed to start an account was your, um, your handle. That's all. They didn't accept, they didn't collect any other data. So they weren't looking at it in the beginning from a monetization standpoint. They were looking at it to build versus a Facebook that collected data. TikTok, every bit of data and on young kids too, right? It's like kind of this, you know, this whole platform. So TikTok's still trying to figure out a way how to get within the brand. I think it's really interesting, you know, since it's based in China and how that will go. But I think TikTok is um, definitely on on the up and up and could serve as, there's some brands that have played with it already. I don't know if all brands would work with it, but I think um, between Twitch and TikTok, I think there's going to be something pretty explosive that happens there. And then uh, Leov's The World actually has a follow-up question, and I'm realizing that his name is actually read out Leo versus The World, not Leov's The World, so apologies to Leo. What do you think is the biggest thing that people fail at or perhaps overlook when it comes to marketing and why? Insight. I think a lot of people um, don't understand research, and they don't understand sometimes that you're not getting the specific insight from the consumers that that takes a lot to get to. And that insight based on that need, if you can tap into that and understand it in the line and all of a sudden be relative to your brand and connect, that's explosive. It really, really is. So I think that most, you know, there's a lot of brands that want to just throw everything up against the wall and see what, see what sticks. Um, there's some brands that, you know, everyone goes right. Some brands go left. They truly work on building something, you know, and I'll like, I go back to like, this is one small example, but stride gum and they use the real estate on their packaging to you open the gum and it was like, Hey, how's it, how's it going? You're like, Why is gum asking me how I'm doing? All of a sudden a conversation was started with gum and it was a fun brand and it was kitschy and all that sort of stuff. So I think it's to really, you know, understand your brand voice understand what your consumers want, being able to evolve during that time, right? Because you think about even big players like, you know, Xerox years ago and like, where are they? What happened? They just fell off. Or we do this thing often where we look at the top brands over 10 years and like a decade ago and, you know, you have certain brands, you know, Marlboro, McDonald's, whatever, and then how they've all moved up or whatever. And you see the brands that have evolved, that have continued to push, to push forward. So I think it's, you know, being evolving, but it's also tapping into insights and always, always, you know, Working on a brand is 365, 24-7. So you have got, honestly, you have got a job to not only understand your brand, but to push it forward constantly and make sure you're, you're thinking beyond. But understanding that consumer and that changing consumer overall, generation millennials versus Gen Z versus Gen A, they're all different segments and cohorts, and it's, and it's quite different. And just understanding and, and having a level of content that really engages them but stays to the overall brand positioning. Thank you, Leah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Fantastic questions, Leo. Um, next question, not so much a question, more so love from the lunch pail. Tom Crow writes in, thank you for making class fun. Hashtag golf 2020 favorite class, sons of student athlete. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, Tom. So, there you go. Tom Crow with some love. And then an anonymous question. Anonymous. Ooh. Who's your favorite prismite? Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, they're all my favorite. <laughs> ah, there we go. There we go. No, seriously, um, God, you know, it's so funny because when someone says, hey, do you know this person in prison? I'm like, I know every single one of them. Like they are mm-hmm. in And because I want to know every single one of them, I want right. to help them. Like we had, you know, I met a uh, prismite who's graduating, whatever, her parents. And when I get to meet the parents and they're like, thank you, and it's just it's like thank you your child is amazing they are incredible so I would say there's been so many you know every single one is so is so special obviously you know they they just work so hard it's like you're gonna I'm gonna be retired and you're gonna blow away the industry you're if this is you in college what are you gonna like just take over the world or whatever so I just I would I would say um they all are in in a variety of different ways Fantastic. So as we wrap up here, uh, we move into our shout out section, give you the opportunity to shout out whoever you would like to shout out. I personally want to shout out Mackenzie Collins. She has been a huge advocate of uh, getting you on the podcast and has been super excited about this. So uh, Mackenzie is also in prison. So shout out to you as well. She'll be entering the workforce. We're wishing her and everyone uh, graduating from Virginia Tech the nothing but luck and just um, to succeed and soar. Really excited about that. Um, and also wanted to ask, you love bringing folks into your class, but you just gave came to us and gave a master class on a lot of different subjects. So we were wondering... Is there some kind of promo code that we could put at the end of this podcast? Maybe some sons of extra credit. Um, I don't know. Is that is that a possibility? Ooh, you know, I can I can absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think we can do something. Yeah, because they still have um, one exam left. We can see if we can do participation or something like that. And. For all the follows, you know, that would be, let me think a little bit more about it. My TAs are actually coming over later to later today, socially Mm -hmm. distant, but, um, oh, I would love it. Let's, let's, let's count on it. And honestly, so we can start it here. But then we can do every semester. And they yes. Get- <laughs> Tons of follow-up. I love that. Yes, love yes. that. And then, you know, I think it would be really, really good. And I'll give shout-outs to both of you, Pat and Billy. Thank I mean, you. I just think, honestly, and what you're doing, and I'm in your corner for life. Like, seriously, whatever you want to do, other people, you know, how you want to expand this, whatever it may be, I think that's great. Um, I'll give, you know, just shout-outs to – all the students, you know, and I yes. adore them. I want to, my, some of my seniors, Andrew Luo, Kelsey Stoner, Olivia Odell, Mackenzie Collins, Leah Hendershot, Azita Peters, Tam, Adam. I mean, there's so many and I'm, I know, I'm probably forgetting some, but um, they're going out into this world, but you know, I'm it's trying to continue to keep them motivated and inspired. And there's a lot of areas and industries that are doing well in terms of hiring. So I'm kind of pivoting them towards sort of towards those areas. And I guess I'll give out, um, let's see, I'll give a shout out to, um, of course, my parents and my sister and my brother in England, Pete, but also to Gary Delabate, 
who is, um, so Bobo Bowie on the Howard Stern show, who is, um, my second cousin and he's doing a big, uh, ancestry tree. So we've been in contact with him a lot, which has kind of been cool. And, um, just some of my mentors as well, Bridget Ryan Berman, Tracy Castle Newman, um, Kay Hunnings, Dean Summercrest, um, you know, Manhattan Hokies, Chicago Hokies, LA Hokies, you know, I mean, it's just like the best of the best. And, um, Jersey, Jersey Hokies. Yes. <laughs> Shout out Jersey Hokies. Jersey, Jersey down the shore, everything up north, northern, southern, every, every other where. But yeah, that was, that would be. And then I guess to, um, yeah, to, to my, my family, my husband, Tom, and my daughter, who will be a sophomore, Parker. So, and my other daughter, Hayden. <laughs> I didn't include her. they be like, what happened to the other one? So this was awesome. This is awesome. Like, I want to like tell everyone about this, everyone about what you were doing. I'm, I want to do a spotlight on you on the website. I just want to take this to the next level. When I got this, I was so excited. And I know I was messaging back and forth. Like, I can't wait. I can't wait. This is the greatest thing. Like, let's blow this up. Like, I want you, everyone to hear what you're doing and wherever we can, you know, build it and grow it. So even if there's a target list, I'd love to have a chance for you all. We get back in the fall, whether it's coming in for careers and marketing or zooming you in or whatever, but like, I'm all in, I'm all in. And I'm so, I'm so grateful and so proud of both of you. Incredibly proud. Well, Professor Werdelich, we could not be more grateful and happy that you were joining us here on your Sunday afternoon in quarantine, over the Zoom, dropping some knowledge on us, and ultimately uh, just being an incredible guest. So thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we will absolutely be following up with you because we, uh, we can't wait to work with you and uh, just ultimately help Hokie Nation. That is awesome, yeah. And I'll get your addresses because we've got some new T-shirts and some more candy. So yes, <laughs> Happy I just went down a size, not a two X anymore. I'm an XL. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mrs. Uh, Professor Word. Like this was fantastic. We love you, and we're really excited about everything that we have going on in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See you guys. Take care. Ryu.